The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia for this Wednesday, January 25th in Hong Kong, Tuesday, January 24th in New York. And coming up this hour... U.S. stocks inch lower as the market analyzes the latest batch of corporate earnings. Microsoft's profit tops analyst estimates with help from its cloud services business. And the U.S. sues Google over an alleged monopoly on ads. Germany and the U.S. break deadlock to bring heavy tanks to Ukraine. Classified documents found at Mike Pence's home. WHO head says he's concerned about COVID in China. I'm Ed Baxter with Global News. The highest men's seed remaining advances to the semis of the Australian Open. I'm Dan Schwartzman. I'll have that story and more coming up in Bloomberg Sports. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. On Bloomberg 1130 New York, Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 1061 Boston, Bloomberg 960 San Francisco, Sirius XM 119, and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning. I'm Doug Krisner. And I'm Ryan Curtis. Here are the stories we're following today. All right, Doug, let's take a closer look at Microsoft, those earnings out. Second quarter profit topping analyst estimates. We get the details with Bloomberg's Charlie Pellet. The software giant was helped by strength in its Azure cloud services business, even as demand slumped for personal computer and corporate software. In Microsoft's closely watched cloud computing business, sales gained 38%, compared with predictions for a 37% increase, excluding the impact of currency fluctuations. Last week, Microsoft said it was firing 10,000 workers. In the past quarter, the software giant's growth engines have faltered as corporate customers became wary of spending in an uneven economic environment. In New York, Charlie Pellet, Bloomberg, Daybreak Asia. Thank you, Charlie. Well, equity strategists are saying the next few weeks could tell us whether corporate America remains strong or is beginning to slump. The chief investment strategist over at Citi is Stephen Whiting. He's expecting to see earnings take a significant hit despite some rosy estimates. It looks so much in the analyst earnings estimates, like the fourth quarter was the recession. And here we are sitting in the recovery. And it actually looks a little bit like that in financial markets. And it would be wonderful if that were really the truth, if we weren't just on the leading edge of the hit that we're going to have in profits. Um, And of course, how markets traded last year are not anticipating this to be, you know, some kind of profit nirvana. We don't have 20% declines, uh, you know, without something. That is City's investment strategist, chief investment strategist, Stephen Whiting. Now, when it comes to U.S. equities, Whiting is overweight pharmaceuticals. And at the same time, if you look at the Asia-Pacific region, City's head of Asia strategy is overweight Chinese equities and very bullish on the yuan. Brian? 
And we're seeing signs of strength, Doug, in some developed markets, data out of Europe, for instance, showing the private sector unexpectedly returning to growth. S&P Global's flash manufacturing index rose to 50.2 in January. That's the first time the gauge has pointed to growth since June. Eric Robertson is chief strategist at Standard Chartered. We're seeing upside surprises in the data. This feared recession, the food and energy crisis, which was so talked about last year, is just turning out to be less threatening than expected. And so I think there's a very good case for Europe to at least outperform some of those really downbeat expectations. Robertson says the situation in Europe does look better than he initially feared. At the same time, S&P Global says the region is, quote, not out of the woods yet. Well, emerging market equities could be gearing up for a very strong run. That is the call from Morgan Stanley. We have more from Bloomberg's Tom Busby. Stocks in emerging markets are set to be this decade's winners. That's according to Morgan Stanley Investment Management's Deputy Chief Investment Officer, Jintandra Kandari. She says developing equities are trading at attractive valuations and economies like India are set for better growth than the U.S. In fact, Kandari calls India one of the top trades at Morgan Stanley. So far this year, the MSCI Emerging Markets Index is up more than 8% compared with a 4.5% advance for the S&P 500. In New York, I'm Tom Busby, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. And now back to a story out of the United States. We've been telling you about this for the past 24 hours or so, but now it's official. The U.S. government is suing Google. We get the details from Bloomberg's Ann Cates in Washington. The Justice Department and eight U.S. states are suing Alphabet's Google. They say the company has an illegal monopoly on digital advertising, and they want to break up the business. It's the Biden administration's first major case challenging one of the largest U.S. tech companies. It's also one of the few times the Justice Department has called for the breakup of a major firm. The last time it dismantled a company was the Bell Telecom System in 1982. In Washington, I'm Ann Cates, Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. All right, and thank you. And we're seeing Google respond to those allegations from the U.S. government. The company saying the Justice Department is, quote, doubling down on a flawed argument. Google is comparing these charges to a similar lawsuit brought by the state of Texas, which it calls unfounded. And Brian, staying with a theme of Texas, can I pivot to Texas Instruments? I mentioned uh, earlier that uh, the company reported a first its first drop in sales since about 2020. And kind of with a tepid forecast for the current quarter, weak demand in all ends of the market for semiconductors. I thought this was curious, except automotive. Yeah, yeah, that has been an industry that has been on fire, uh, and apparently it's still very good for for TI. Um, the the I wanted to go back to Google just briefly. The stock did trade down two point one percent today, Doug, and that's because of the uh, the weightiness, I suppose, of this action. But all you, when you think about it, this could play out over many, many, many years, uh, and yet investors still reacted. And I'm looking at the Microsoft share price now, really fluctuating. You know, for most of the period after. The the earnings came out, the stock was up about 4% or so. Now it has moved down to just with a gain of about 2%. I think some analysts take from this, Doug, is that this was more resilience by Microsoft than any new news uh, that some thought it could be a lot worse. Yeah, particularly where the cloud service business is concerned. That, of course, Azure, we saw weak demand for personal computer software and corporate software as well. And then, Brian, if you look at some of the cloud computing companies, uh, names like MongoDB, Datadog, they are rallying here in the late session. 
Yeah, and I wanted to mention Swatch. Uh, it came out with its earnings. The stocks uh, traded up about uh, 5% or so in Europe, and Swatch had some positive comments about China, and that's very much in focus now as China is reopening. We'll be getting comments from uh, CEOs of many, many companies over the coming days. It's time for Global News. The U.S. and Germany are poised to break their negotiating deadlock over sending heavy tanks to Ukraine. Ed Baxter has global news in the 960 Newsroom in San Francisco. Ed? Yeah, that's right, Brian. Both will offer tanks, sending Kiev a powerful new weapon to counter Russian offensives. This is something the NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg says is essential to the defense of Europe as a whole. We have no indication that President Putin has changed his goals. He wants to control Ukraine and is planning new offensives. The Biden administration expected to announce as soon as tomorrow it will offer Ukrainian forces the M1 Abrams tank, dropping the criticism that it is too hard to operate. Germany then will send its powerful Leopard tanks. The move will give Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky's forces significant new capabilities as the war will shift to the east. New Zealand has a new prime minister just within the past half hour. Chris Hipkins has been sworn in, completing the handover from Jacinda Ardern. He's expected to hold a news conference this morning. World Health Organization panel will meet this week to discuss whether COVID-19 still represents a global health emergency. Director General uh, Tedros Ghebreyesus says he's very concerned by the situation in many countries and the rising number of deaths. He says China's a particular concern after its abandoning of COVID-0. The FDA is rolling out procedures for annual COVID vaccines. The hope in some circles is is to have one annual shot that would cover both COVID and influenza. Well, now, Dr. Ashish Shah, earlier today on uh, on Balance of Power on Bloomberg, she is with Stanford Health Director of Infectious Diseases. She says maybe not too fast. I think the first step is that we need to get to one shot that takes care of COVID for the whole year. Um, and that's the hope um, for the coming season. Dr. Shaw says that uh, this is the best science at this point to protect against both diseases. Classified documents have been found in former U.S. Vice President Mike Pence home in Indiana. Bloomberg's Anne-Marie Horndern reports she ordered uh, he ordered lawyers to do a search and they found about a dozen classified documents. And they were then put in boxes and driven to the National Archives. Right now we have the Department of Justice and the FBI looking into this per this report. One thing is notable though that the former Vice President Mike Pence has said that he did not have classified documents previously, and now they are showing up. Yeah, and the FBI and Justice Department are investigating. Meanwhile, lawmakers on both sides of the aisle would like to know more about the Biden classified documents. Republican Senator Lindsey Graham says the whole system needs looking at. I think uh, clearly the way we handle classified information needs to be uh, improved upon. So I'm not going to prejudge what happened with Trump or Biden. I'm glad people outside of politics are looking at it. I have confidence in uh, Attorney General Garland to do it fairly. And approves uh, of the special counsel. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, and this is Bloomberg. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc.
The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Brian Curtis here in Hong Kong, along with Rashad Salamat in Singapore. And our guest is Anna Han, equity strategist at Wells Fargo Securities. Anna, plenty of time to talk about the really big picture, the big macro story in the Fed in recession, all that. But let's get your take on the earnings so far uh, from the banks at the outset to the tech results we saw today. Your thoughts? Yeah, coming into earnings season, you saw that banks, which tend to be the first group that report and kind of a bellwether, banks were trading up generally, uh, which is usually not a great sign. If you look historically, when banks outperform coming into earnings, they tend to get faded pretty quickly. We're not seeing that too much uh, uh, this season. So it's been encouraging to see that those gains um, that these banks who were able to beat earnings or even miss earnings are still able to get some rewards. And in fact, the most peculiar thing this earnings season is to see how light the penalty has been for earnings Mm. misses. We'll see how that trends as we get further into the season. So, ultimately, why are, I guess, investors being that, uh, I suppose, forgiving in a way? And also, you know, when you look at banks, what's actually then being priced into them? Right, Rish. You have the exact word on my mind, which was forgiving. Uh, to be honest, it could be possibly that people had such negative sentiment coming into this season. And that's not really the you know most bright, sunny picture I'm painting here. But it's true that a lot of people are expecting lower EPS revisions. And with that, um, some really bad news this earnings season. Uh, we also know that that inflation has been you know gnawing away at those margins. I think that the action that you're seeing here is a little bit of a relief. And in particular, you saw some big names report uh, some positive news in there, despite some of the bigger layoffs that we're hearing about. I think that's helping lighten the penalty for now. Um, and again, it's that sentiment, that expectation coming into earnings season, that low bar makes it a lot easier to hop over. Net interest margins are pretty good for the banks, but then fears about recession. If you get a recession, that wouldn't be good for the banks either. So let's talk about that. Do you see a recession coming? We've parred back our view on the recession, on how deep the recession is. I think we can, you know, sit here and go tit for tat on how exactly we're going to measure this recession. But the idea that we have here is that it's going to be mild. Uh, we do think that consumer spending is going to contract. Just looking at how people have been using their debit and credit lines, looking at that drawdown of excess savings versus income, I do think that we're going to see consumers pull back. We will see uh, earnings uh, slow down, probably about a five percent decline in large cap EPS growth. But we don't think it'll be so dire enough where uh, we'll see something like the financial crisis or we'll see anything, if anything, nothing close to what we saw when the pandemic first hit. 
Okay, well, uh, certainly that's that's the case at the moment. But w- we look at what happened, you know, the d- deletion or depletion of those COVID-era savings, that's gone. Uh, we still have inventory overhangs. We also have, of course, a jobs market, which remains resilient. Um, I mean, where would a, a really, really deep recession or a recession come from ultimately? Because all the fundamentals seem, apart from, of course, even inflation's coming down, uh, seem that uh, perhaps the Fed's job may well, and I'm saying this controversially, is done. You bring up a good point. If the Fed is done, I think what could happen here is if uh, sentiment really grabs hold. Right now, a lot of people are eyes sharp on labor data, on watching wages. And that's been somewhat of the linchpin here. If we see some sort of fear um, that investors or excuse me, that uh, consumers are suddenly feeling that, wait, I don't have as much income coming in the door or things could get really rough and they contract their spending suddenly. I think that's going to snowball effect into corporates who already are seeing some corporate belt tightening. If that really starts to squeeze, that cycle can feed upon itself. And there you can see an aggressive contraction. But what we've seen is really peanuts compared to what would be needed to get the uh, unemployment rate up to four and a half percent. And it seems that at companies still want to keep their employees because they, they don't think they can get them back uh, once you start to see growth coming back. So my question is, if the job market doesn't crack, could we see the Fed stay in hiking mode for much of this year and then stay there for much longer? You know, we would agree with that. Really, to get unemployment at a high level or what we expect to be a low 4% this year, we have to see um, some weakening somewhere. Uh, something has to crack, like you said. But what's particular about this, uh, what's going on right now, is you're not seeing that as much. Um, so if the Fed stays on its path, unlike which consensus expects cuts starting in the summer, I think that's going to get pushed back. And that could be a little rough for equities as well. That's something to watch out for. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, your morning brief on the stories making news from Hong Kong to Singapore and Wall Street. Look for us on your podcast feed every day on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcast. You can also listen live each day on Bloomberg 1130 in New York, Bloomberg 991 in Washington, Bloomberg 1061 in Boston, and Bloomberg 960 in San Francisco. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. Plus, listen coast to coast on the Bloomberg Business app, Sirius XM Channel 119, the iHeartRadio app, and on Bloomberg.com. I'm Brian Curtis. And I'm Doug Krisner. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.